for these people. Can we do that? And uh, Kevin, thank you for leading this group for all that you do. Um, I tell that to you personally, but I want to say it here publicly. Um, really grateful to you for what you're doing and how you're investing in the lives of these people. Um, it makes it makes a huge difference. And Catherine, we really know you're the power behind this. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, man, it's awesome, right? Yeah, people clapping for that too. Man, so. Uh, Gabe and Colin and Josh and um, Taylor, thank you for sharing that. And I just want to affirm what you said, particularly guys, quickly. Um, the need for vulnerability in creating those spaces and continuing that, don't give that chase up, okay? Don't give that pursuit up. It's an upstream battle for the, the culture of, of men, but it's worth the fight to do that. So keep going with that, okay? What you experience, keep moving in that direction. And Taylor, we want to give you the um, freedom to raise your hand any day of the week here. Uh, and maybe some of us around us need to be doing that more. If that is, if that is something that speaks your worship language, man, you know, bring that on. Let's do that um, in a way that, that gives our next generation confidence to worship and freedom uh, here. So I just wanted to affirm what I heard here this morning. Um, and this morning, also, I want to speak more to our youth than, than to our non-youth. So you, I'm going to let you define youth. It can be a generous definition for you this morning if you want that. Um, but I was—I knew we were going to be sharing about the youth retreat, and I wanted to um, just to tag right into that and and speak particularly, but not exclusively, but particularly to our youth and where you're going. And one of the things for me in my experience when I was in youth group, not here, but. Um, these retreats were really powerful for me, too. Um, missions trips were really powerful for me, too. And I think some old people like me, if you have a chance, if, if you're young, to talk to old people like me, you'll know that those moments that you're just sharing and that you had are the things that really kind of grow your faith and catalyze you. And they can be moments where you stop and reflect and really grow deeply. And they're really cool moments. And I just want to affirm that. And everyone's, everyone's life <laughs> kind of points in some direction. When your life kind of gets moving, you're going a particular way. When people look at you and, and say your name, they're like, oh, Colin, Gabe, Josh, Taylor, you begin to get a reputation. This is who she is. This is who he is. This is the direction that their life is pointing. And I want to encourage you to have your life point somewhere in particular, particularly to have your life point toward your strengths. And here's where I want to go with that. I want to share this story that may sound, may seem a little bit off at first, but I think it, I hope it's helpful for you. Um, how many of you in this room have ever heard, this is going to be a hard transition, have ever heard of the hospital Johns Hopkins? We've heard of Johns Hopkins Hospital. Um, how many of you know someone who's been treated at Johns Hopkins? Okay, yeah, me as well. Now, now, here's the deal. You may or may not know the story, but Johns Hopkins Hospital, I don't know if you know the backstory on it. Johns Hopkins himself, his parents were believers. They were Quakers, actually. They were Christians. They were Quakers. And one time they came home from church, and they said to their son, they said to their family, you know what, we think based on what we heard in church today, it's almost like they gave a report from a youth retreat, but they said, based on what we heard, that we believe that Jesus came to set the captives free, that we believe we shouldn't have slaves anymore, because they had slaves in their family. And they said, we're going to set our slaves free. And what that meant, though, it wasn't just theoretical, it meant now that Johns, Johns Hopkins, he had to quit school, and he had to go work in the fields. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that if all of a sudden the slaves that you had in your household were freed, and now you have to stop going to school, hanging out with your friends, and your future is in the balance because you have to plow the fields that the slaves were just doing last week. But that's what happened to Johns Hopkins. 
He was a smart dude anyway. He never graduated. He was an entrepreneur, and he made a ton of money. He was single, um, but he was driven, made a ton of money, and he never lost his Christian faith. And as a Christian, when it came time for him at the end of life to figure out what to do with his life and what to do with his uh, fortune, what he did is he divided in two areas. One was to help, he wanted to help the slaves and he wanted to help uh, people in uh, medical uh, emergencies. He wanted to help with health problems and he wanted to create a research hospital because he never got to go to school himself. And so he created Johns Hopkins University and created Johns Hopkins Hospital. Johns Hopkins Hospital, if you know it now, is one of the premier research hospitals in the entire nation and arguably in the entire world. It began to set trends for how people do business at a hospital level, starting things like um, doctor's rounds and uh, medical interns, things like this were started because, get this, because a young person, a Christian young person decided, I want my life to go somewhere on purpose, and they never lost sight of that vision. And here's what I want to say. Everyone's life points in some direction, and the question becomes, where is your life going to point? And I want to make this case, particularly off the case of Johns Hopkins, is this, this morning, that the greatest version of myself is found beyond myself. The greatest version of yourself is going to be found beyond yourself. When you think about what your future could be, you could come off a youth retreat, you come off a big event like that, you think, where is this going to take me? How am I going to grow? What is this going to look like? That the greatest version of your future self that you can imagine is going to be found beyond yourself. Not just in serving others, but this morning I want to make a case that it's going to be found <laughs> in reflecting Christ to the world in a very particular way. And so I want to talk about that this morning, and I want to challenge you with two questions. One is going to be, what are your current strengths that people see in you? And second is going to be, how is it that I can tie my strengths into sharing with people through my life the grace of Christ? What are my current strengths? How can my strengths be leveraged to go beyond me, not unlike Hopkins, where now all of a sudden we have access to incredible health care. People people's lives have been saved because a Christian decided to make a difference in this world. So I want you to, to, to go with me, if you will, to the passage that we're in this morning in this series called Endure. We're been, we've been studying the letter that a guy named Paul was writing um, to his protege, Timothy. Paul is in prison. He's actually in a dungeon, and there's kind of a ceiling, that's a hole that's been carved in the ceiling for air. He's in chains. He's lonely. He's cold. He's, he knows he's going to die. And so he writes his final will and testament to his protege, Timothy. And Timothy's a young guy taking over the church and all that comes with that in the, the pressure-packed environment of the Roman world. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we are now. If you don't own a Bible, the Bible and the chairs are gift to you. If you do own one, open up your phone, open up your Bible. The 2 Timothy chapter 2 is in the right two-thirds of your Bible, and we'll go through what Paul has to say there. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And I'm going to read the first seven verses to begin. Then I want to share a few thoughts here with you, okay? So I'm just going to read them, and we'll come back and chat about them. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. 
Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, he says, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Now, let's back up quick and look at what he's saying. Beginning of verse 1, I just want to, verse 1 is such an important verse, it kind of sets everything up. This sets up the whole section, all right? And he says, he says, you then, my son. Now, I just need to pause it because this word is like, is the softest and kindest way that he could speak to Timothy. This is, this is a drawing moment. And I don't know if you've had those moments with your dad or with a mom or with a figure who is a parent figure for you. When they pause in all the noise, they're like, son. Come here. It's a drawing. It's an affection. It's a, I love you. It's an I care for you. That's the word used here. It's, a, it's not a son. Here's what you need to do. It's a son. Come here. I want to I draw you in. I want to invite you in. I wanna, so uh, the reason I bring this up is because you need to know that when Paul's beginning to write this, he has an affection for Timothy in mind. He has a care for him in mind. And so he wants to. He wants to sit down next to him almost like a dad figure and say, Son, of all the things that are important, here's what I want you to do. He says, My son, you then, my son. He says, Be strong, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, what we just heard from our youth, and, I, and again, I love it, I love it, is the stuff that you've learned from this weekend. We didn't get to hear from everybody. If each of you could share, you know, who were there, I think it would be, I think it'd be awesome. I mean, I, I would be fine to skip the message, hear from you, let's pray for you, and let's move on, because I think that would, be, that would be cool. So, but here's the deal. He says, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When I was about your age, okay, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, it was a long time ago. Just imagine me with hair. Okay. I know it's hard, but use your creative imagination. Man, I, you know, I, I would hear verses like this, okay, and I would come off of retreats like this, and I come off of moments like this, and what I hear is I hear, be strong. Like, be strong. Stay the course. You heard something, don't fall off the train, right? Like, you heard it, you were at that weekend thing, that was a mountain peak, know it, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. I would hear, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong, and that's what I would hear. Now, here's something that I've come to learn over time. I, I, I personally, this is my story. It may or may not be your story. I would translate, be strong spiritually into religious performance. Always show up. Lead the prayer retreats at your college. Be the student missionary fellowship president. Make sure you're setting the pace for everybody. Because after all, doesn't Paul say to Timothy, set an example for the believers in life and love and faith and speech and impurity. Set an example. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. And I began personally, this is just my story. I began to translate this into a religious performance. And I want to say this. This is what I learned over time, that pride and judgment linger in the shadows of religious performance. I want to just give you that warning if you're young right now. That pride and judgment linger in the shadows of that. And they did for me. I took great pride in the fact that I was always consistent. <laughs> I was a great leader, right? I was the one who the student's body would look at to say, hey, who's the one who can lead the prayer retreat? That guy will do it. Who's the one who will lead the mission stuff? Hey, that guy will do it. And you know what? I took pride in that. Oh, I took a humble pride in it. <laughs> Didn't let anyone know that, but I took pride in that. And then I also freely applied judgment to people who weren't as committed spiritually as I was. Because pride and judgment linger in the shadows of religious performance. People who weren't as moral as I perceived myself to be. People who, who committed 
indecencies that I thought were just ridiculous for quote-unquote Christians to do according to my moral and ethical standards. And so I walked around looking very humble and looking very much like a spiritual leader, but not realizing that in the shadows of everything that I was carrying with me, not seeing in the shadows that pride and judgment linger for all of us in the shadows of religious performance, which is why it's so important to see what Paul says to Timothy. He says, be strong in what? Be strong, yes, and I don't want to diminish that. Be strong. Do be strong. But in what? Be strong, he says, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is what I missed. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ. So here's the deal. It's, it's the gospel message. It's saying, be strong in this message. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. My sin has made me fall short of God's standard. And on my own, I am helpless and hopeless to solve my problem. I am stuck in a constant rhythm of sin, failure, shame, death, and hopelessness. It goes on and on and on. I sin, I fail, I have shame for it, I am hopeless that I can fix it, and I see death happen in relationships over and over and over again because of my sin. That is a cycle that we all experience. And what grace of God does, or the grace of Christ does, is it comes into, if you can imagine, like a, a light beam shining into this cycle and into this space, inserts Christ, the God himself, who the creator God who made me and made you, says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not cool to leave you where you are. Like, I'm not okay to leave you in this death cycle. I'm going to come into that space, and I'm going to save you by grace. And I'm going to bring to you the grace of Christ. And so of all the things in my life that I can be strong in, what Paul is saying to Timothy especially is be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Be strong in that message. Let your life... Be a life where you look around and say, it's not just about my strengths, but it's about my life reflecting to my family, to my friends, to my peers, to my bosses, my coworkers, that Christ himself, the creator of God, decided that he would intervene in my life, in my hopelessness, and bring through grace hope to an otherwise hopeless situation. So here's what that means. When you get up and go to school and you got some friends who are thinking that some people over here are hopeless and out of touch, those people, you know who those people are. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be careful about those people over there because the grace of Christ starts with a recognition that I am those people. I am a sinner and I am stuck in hopelessness, short of God's grace running into my life, I am a sinner. And Paul says, be strong in that. Of all the things that you can be strong in, be strong in the fact that I'm a sinner and Christ died for me while I was still in my sin. Therefore, when I go to school and I see those people, and I'm going to bring that grace to them. When I go to work, and I see those people who are late. If only those people would get up early. If only those people weren't so undisciplined. I'm going to bring the grace of Christ with me. When I look in the mirror 
and I see my failures and my own flaws, and I live in my head and think so terribly of myself because somehow I've been convinced that if I were better, if I were stronger, that I could have more influence. Live in the grace of Christ that looks back in that mirror and says, God, the creator God, made you, and as you are, sent Christ to you. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this is the foundation that Paul wants to draw Timothy into with a warmth and a sincerity as a father to say, son, I'm about to die. I'm chained here like a criminal. Let me tell you something important. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ. That's what I want you to be strong in. And then he says, I want you to take this I want you to tell everybody about it. I want, this is how the kingdom of God grows. Because the kingdom of God doesn't grow on the back of religious performance. The Pharisees tried that. That's not how Jesus' kingdom grew. It grew because people like a Johns Hopkins and others were willing to sacrifice their lives for others. It grew because of sacrificial love. It doesn't work because religious performance doesn't grow the Christian faith. People who are strong in the grace of Christ do. So he goes on, look at verse 2. He says, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Guys, this is where he's saying, and I just heard several of you standing up here say this, like this is cool that guys are vulnerable, like, hey, this is great that we we're able to grow. Again, I want to deeply affirm that, those of you who said that, I, I agree with that. Let's take that just as an example. How do those things grow? It's about staying together. It's about staying on that, that note. Keep singing that note and working with each other to continue to sharpen each other, to stay on that thing. He says, these are the things, the things that you've heard me say, like let the grace of Christ come into that moment and say, <laughs> instead of the shame and guilt that sometimes men feel of learning how to share together, what if, what if all of a sudden we could give each other grace and freedom to be, to be real and, and trust that to other people? Other people, so they can be qualified to teach others. And then all of a sudden we see a movement grow. And who's, who's qualified to do this? He says, he says, look at the end of the verse. He said, people who will also be qualified to teach others. Well, what does that mean? Like, who's qualified? Is it all the people who show up on Sunday morning, make sure they're always here, you know, at least three or four times a month? What does it mean to be qualified? He gives an example in the next couple of verses. I read it already, but let's hit it again. Verse 3. He says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. This is his first metaphor. Who's qualified? A soldier is qualified. Why? Look at verse 4. Because no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. If that's not enough for us, he gives us another metaphor. He said, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And if that's not enough, he gives us another one. He says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Then he says, reflect on what I'm saying. Reflect on it. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. And so what he's saying is, listen, guys, uh, think about a soldier. Think about an athlete. And then think about a hardworking farmer. The soldier and the athlete are constantly focused. The hardworking farmer is focused on what they need to do. The hardworking farmer gets the first fruit of it. They get to see the growth. But the soldier and the athlete, and they got a laser focus. We could talk about all the nuances of what this means, but at the bottom line, at the end of the day, what Paul is saying here is simply, these are people who walk through life with a, 
without being content, I forget the name of the author who wrote this song, without being content to, it's an old hymn, uh, to just, um, uh, Jen could help me, my wife could help me, because I forget lyrics all the time. This is one of those bad times to forget lyrics. Sometimes, you guys can probably help me too, we, uh, some author wrote about um, not being content to float on flowery beds of ease. Mm, some people, can we help me out? All right. Pretend that someone wrote that, and let's pretend that that's better. <laughs> Am I a soldier of the cross? Am I a soldier of the cross is the old hymn. And it, the, the question that some, somehow the author writes in there is, am I content ultimately to float along on flowery beds of ease while others give their lives? Now I'm off the song, but others give their lives, okay? But it's a, it's a picture that I haven't forgotten. Flowery beds of ease. If you know how soft and comfortable that is? As if somehow that's the point of life, Paul says. He said, Timothy, that's not the point of life. It's not just to make as much money as you can and build your own flowery bed of ease. It's not just to be as comfortable as you can to build your flowery bed of ease. Like, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he says. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ. That everything that you do as a young man, as a young woman, as you're thinking about your future and your career and potential family and all that, that everything you do is lined up like a soldier who says, I'm going to please my commanding officer. I don't get the freedom to sit at home and eat whatever I want whenever I want to because I'm on duty, right? I'm an athlete. I don't get the freedom to consume everything I want because I want to compete and I want to win. And as a hardworking farmer, I'm going to get to see some of the fruit of this. And so he's like, Timothy, be strong. And don't just settle, man. Don't just settle. Don't just be like, man, it's too hard. Let's just take the, the guys just don't like to be vulnerable. So it worked at a retreat, but you know, in life it's not going to work. So I'm just going to settle it out. That's it. Hey, some people like to raise their hands in worship, but maybe we're too conservative for that. I don't know. And it's just not going to happen. So I'm just going to settle in. That's just the way I'm going to kind of draw it down. And you know, that's it. He's like, no, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus like a soldier, like an athlete, like a hardworking farmer. It's an incredible image. And he says, reflect on these things. Don't lose them, right? Like, don't lose them. So I have a couple of questions off of this. A couple of questions. First of all is this. What do my strengths say about me now for you? What do your strengths say about you now? If people were to look at you and, and fill in your name, you know, so hey, when they think of Tim, what do they think of? And I could list a couple of things. Now, let me ask you to go further with this question. I want to start here because it's important. Your strengths matter. They do. And I'm not diminishing them. We need all of them. Keep pushing into your strengths. Keep making your strengths better because you're very good at doing certain things. All of us are. God has given all of us those gifts. Know your strengths now, but I don't want only your strengths to be the end of your story. All of us have been at funerals where you come in and some guy's like, man, I love, you know, Joey over here. He was a great guy. He had a great motorcycle collection. Yeah, that's the sum total of Joey's life is he had a great motorcycle collection. And I'm like, is that, is that it? Is that where you want life to go? Like, is that the end of it? Like, what was the point of the motorcycle? I don't mind if you have motorcycles, by the way, but I'm saying, like, what, what's the point beyond that? Like, where's that going? What's the deeper meaning for that? How's that serving the kingdom in some way? Like, is that, is that the end of it? So your strengths, they start with the strengths, but let me ask another question this, and, and that is this. In what ways can my strengths extend beyond me to show the grace of Christ? And so, if you're a business entrepreneur, 
like at Johns Hopkins? Why can't your business acumen, your intellect, your ability to think critically, why can't it create a kind of world where people look at the handiwork that you did and someday they tell the story? He was a Christian. She was a Christian. Her compassion came from understanding that God as a creator made her and made him, and she wanted to, and he wanted to, to give that compassion to others. You know, what are your strengths and how do they extend beyond you? I don't want people at the end of my life, and I don't think you want them at the end of yours, just to say, man, he was a nice guy. He got along with people. He was friendly. She was fun to be around. Those are good things. Where do they go? Where do they lead to? Because Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. There's a couple other people I want you to know about in history who have done this same thing. A couple of old dudes. Check out this guy right here. You know who this was? I'll give you a million dollars if you can tell me right now. Okay, time passed. <laughs> Elijah Lovejoy is this guy, all right? He was a printer. That's, that's what he did. He, he woke up in the morning and he's like, I want to be a printer. I don't know how many of you do that, but there you go. He was, a, he was in the printing business, and he also was a part-time pastor. This was in the 18, early 1800s in North America before the Civil War, about 30, 40 years before the Civil War. And there just was an, a, an act that was created, and the movement in our country was starting um, toward the movement of abolishing slavery, but it still met with great resistance. He's hanging out in the South. I think he's in Tennessee. Don't quote me on that. Elijah Lovejoy is his name. You can look him up later. He had his printing press burned down four times, four times, and on the fourth time, he was shot five times by people who were tired of his anti-slavery rhetoric. And here's what he had to say. He said, I have applied, this is obviously before his death, I have appealed to the Constitution and laws of my country. And if they fail to protect me, I appeal to God, and with him I cheerfully rest my cause. I can die at my post, but I cannot desert it. Do you feel the passion in that? I can die at my post, but I can't desert it. There is something here that he used his strengths and his ability to get after a cause that reflected the grace of Christ. He was a Christian. He said, I can't, I can't get away from this. And I'm not going to be a full-time pastor or a full-time missionary, but I am going to be a printer, and I'm going to use my ability there to make a difference for the kingdom of God, because the grace of Christ matters. I can die at my post, but I can't, even under the threat of death, I can't desert it. There's another guy, this old guy here. I love him, too. Again, if you can tell me his name right now. John Rankin. There you go. I win. John Rankin, he was a, uh, he actually was a pastor. He was in Tennessee, and he went to his church again, pre-slavery, and he said to them, guys, I just want you to know, I think the Bible says we shouldn't be slave owners, to which they said, thank you for sharing that. You're out of here. They kicked him out of the church. He decided to move to Ohio. He moved to Ohio. He built this very house, which you can go tour if you would like, on the north side of the Ohio River that borders Kentucky. The reason he built it here was so that the slaves who were on the Kentucky side of the river could see this house, and in the front window he would place a little lantern. And based on how many times the lantern blinked, it was a sign to the slaves on the other side whether they could cross the river safely or not. 
His house was also burned down, you guessed it, four times. I don't know what it is with burning things four times. Burnt four times, he rebuilt it four times, and John Rankin decided that he's going to live his life with intentionality to say, I'm going to live a life that helps people through the grace of Christ. He ended up helping a family across the river. It was a winter time. There was a mom and her young child trying to cross the frozen river. The ice was breaking up, and he went out, and he helped them across, fed them, and got them up to the north. This true story he told to his friend, you may have heard of his friend, her name is Harriet Beecher Stowe. She recorded that story in a book you may have heard of called Uncle Tom's Cabin that began to change the mood of our entire country towards slavery. Why? Because some Christians somewhere decided, you know what, my life is going to matter for more than just me. I'm going to be strong in the grace of Christ, and it demands that Christ intervene and come into this world and and deal with sin and death and hopelessness, and I'm going to be strong in that. Now, in case you can't relate to old dead men like this, how about this one, all right? Katie Davis Majors. She was 18 years old, about 10 years ago. No, not, let me back up. When she was 18, she went on a mission trip to Uganda for three weeks. She met people there, and she, her worldview was changed, and she created, after a little while, she created this organization called Amazema Ministries. She has now been able to help provide food, housing, education for Ugandan children. She adopted, I believe, 13 children from Uganda by the time she was about 23, 24 years old. This organization serves about 700 Ugandan children, getting them out of poverty and lifting them up in the name of Christ for health and healing and hope. Why? <laughs> because for her, again, here's what she said. Let me, let me, uh, let me not, let me get her, her, her quotes. Here's what she said. She said, God continues to use flawed human beings like herself to change the world one person at a time. She said this, keep seeking to love him and the next person he places in front of you, and he'll take care of the rest. Because somewhere along the line, Katie, Katie Davis Majors decided, you know what? My life isn't going to be just about me. I'm just like going to float along in flowery beds of ease. That somehow the grace of Christ means so much that I'm going to take that. Just like God came into my world, I'm going to come into someone else's world and give them hope and give them healing, and give them a future. Not because I just want to be a good person, but because of this very reason, and you know this is true, that the greatest version of yourself is found beyond yourself. It is. It's not just about having a great motorcycle collection. It's about saying at the end of your days, if you're strong in the grace of Christ, your life is going to point beyond you to the very person who has saved you in the first place. And so, young people, now I feel really old saying that, Number one, I want to affirm you deeply for where you're growing and how you're growing. I really mean that. Keep walking in that space. And whatever you do, of all the things that you can be strong in, and you're going to be strong in a lot, of all the things you can be strong in, be strong in the grace of Christ. Be strong in the grace of Christ. And then these things which you have heard, said, Pass on to others who will help equip others to share and tell this story. So someday, who knows what your story will be? Someone may say, oh, you know, I heard this guy up here. His name was Colin, I think. And here's what he talked about when he was, you 18? 17. You know what? He's 77 now. 
None of us will be here except maybe your friends. And here's what his life stands for now. And we don't know what hangs in the balance of our future. None of us do. But Paul will say, my son, come to me. Come here, here. Of all the things that you can do with your life, be strong. Not in religious performance, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. Let everything in your life bring to the people around you the hope of the incarnation of Christ. So people can feel, see, and touch the goodness of God through your business smarts, through your farming, through your athleticism, through your engagement in the world in which you are in. The greatest version of yourself is beyond yourself. Let's pray. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the time this morning to be in this passage to regather, to come back to this historical moment where a dying Paul is writing to his young protege, drawing him in, just inviting, urging him to hold on to with strength that which matters. So I pray for each of us as we evaluate our own state in life right now, in our singleness, in our marriage, in our divorce, in our separation, in our aging health, in our youthfulness, in our joy, in our sadness. I pray that in this moment that we're in, however we would define it, that we could be strong in the grace of Christ that both rejuvenates and encourages us and also gives hope to people to see, feel, and touch, experience a world in which redemption and hope invade darkness and hopelessness, just like Christ has done for us. Help us to be strong in that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray.